Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle All Things Cycling Podcast with your host Sylvie Doe and we have a really interesting guy on the on this episode. His name is Mike Kelly. I've known Mike for about 20 years. We took our personal training uh, certification together uh, 20 years ago um, and he has gone on to do some pretty cool things. Um, he has been involved with sports and fitness for 45 years, so get way more than me, um, having been a professional trainer and continue to be training individuals virtual these days in strength conditioning coach um, at a varsity level, an expert fitness witness for legal profession. We might have to ask him about that. And a pro trainer for Camfit Pro for 20 years. So that's when we got, uh, we went uh, training together. And he certifies fitness professionals. He's also a cyclist. Let's just throw that in there too. Realizing there was a disconnect with many people who struggle to get, maintain good health and fitness over the long term, Mike went back to school to fill in the blanks in spring of 2020. He became Queen's University's oldest psychology grad during that period. So that was during COVID, right? What more to do than go back to school? Combining his extensive fitness background together with the psychology aspects, Mike's created and now delivers an accredited course called Why I Hate Exercise. The psychology, health, and fitness professionals need to know. <laughs> and that's what we're going to talk about today. So as a cyclist, um or maybe you you're you're training for cycling or you're into the gym training for cycling or just simply know that you need to train to stay a healthy and fit we're going to dive into this with mike why we truly do hate exercise and i can't say that i hate exercise but you know there are certain times when i'm like i really don't want to do it but I know that I need to, and that's what drives me to exercise, cycling, fitness, strength training on a regular basis. The older you get, the worse things get, and we need to stay on top of that. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Mike. He is a really cool and funny and very knowledgeable individual. So let's get to it. All right, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Daou. And I have, like I mentioned, my special friend, Mike Kelly here is a very special friend. (laughs) 
<laughs> I feel like I'm on he, Mr. Rogers. Yeah, don't actually you sound, kind of sound like him. But we're going to be talking about um, how, well, kind of like three years, Mike being into personal training and his going back to school to get his psych degree, then the creation of his program, his program, Why I Hate Exercise. And we're going to go just go dive right into that because I know everybody out there, there are some lovers of exercise, but, you know, then there's the majority of people who just aren't, aren't into it. Right, Mike? I think I get that. I think I get that. <laughs> so yeah. welcome, Mike, to the podcast. I can't wait to, to talk about your program. Thanks very much for having me on, Sylvie. Any opportunity to spread the word is always good. Uh, you know, normally I can hear through the sound waves words like blasphemy. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. I'm like... It's it's true. You know, I'm I'm in the fitness business. I've been in it for over 45 years now, mm -hmm. uh, sports and fitness and covering areas such as personal training, uh, spin instructing, uh, fitness classes, Um Strength and conditioning coach, university level, varsity level, expert fitness witness for the legal profession. Yeah, someone, I was. Yeah. Can you touch no, on I, that, actually? Sure. Fitness witness. Sure. So in the fitness business, people sometimes get hurt. It yeah. may or may not be a valid case. Um, I never actually get to see both sides of the story. I only see one. So I have to hold my own thought processes back. But uh, as an instance, if someone gets hurt by a club or a trainer, they may take it upon themselves to want to sue. Right. By the way, it's it's starting up here in Canada. You'll actually see TV advertisements now. I won't mention the names. Uh, bus advertisements where these ambulance chasers are looking for clients who are injured. And again, it may be it may be truly valid, and they may have a valid point. But then again, it may not. Who knows? I never know. But um, in the only instance I've actually been to court, I mean, these things don't normally go to court, but the one instance I've been to court, um, fairly large gym, one of its trainers, a kinesiologist, uh, trained an individual, and that individual cried foul that they blew out his shoulder. So this individual's lawyer hired me. Again, I only see one side of the story. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a 13-page report over many hours explaining from an anatomical progressive load and crease perspective of how things should be done to work on a joint like that from a strength perspective, range of motion and so on. Who are you representing? The trainer? Or I, the... No, 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 no. I never even saw, well, I saw the trainer in court, mm -hmm. but um, oh, so I only see one side of the story to prepare the report. And so I take it as being honest and I prepare based on that. And, in this one instance, I'm trying to remember specifically, I think it was a rotator cuff. So in our muscle areas up here, we have four muscles that basically hold the arm into the socket. Um, and they were damaged and it hurt his livelihood. And he claimed that the trainer had him doing, they call them ballistic push-ups. They're, they're really not ballistic, but that's what the industry calls them. Basically where you jump and you clap your hands and so on. Oh, okay. It, it, it's mm -hmm. it's quite an aggressive move. Um, yeah. You know, if you're really athletic and work toward, like I, I do crazy push-ups. I, if I if I had the space here, I'd show you. I put my fists together and oh, I yeah. do a full body lift off the floor and land on my fists. 
that takes a lot of training. It's mostly neuromuscular. Most people would snap their wrists, don't care how athletic you are. It takes a lot of training. Well, even a sim simple clap push-up requires a lot of progressive overload because it really increases the forces. Force equals mass times acceleration. So the force on a joint can be substantial. At the end of the day, to make a long story short, the trainer had not given enough preparatory warm-up, dynamic warm-up, let alone progressive overload to get to this. So they ended up losing. And in court, when I first got there, the, uh, the magistrate has the examiner cross-examine me to see whether or not I'm, I'm validated or vetted as an expert witness. Mm -hmm. They did. They fire a lot of questions at you. You know, you, don't, you know your nose from your hole in the ground and so on. And uh, <laughs> they approved that. And yeah. they lost the case. And they had to pay out money, which I felt bad about because I never really saw what truly happened. But that, that's how the system works. Mm-hmm. So these experts in any industry, they, they never really see two sides of the story, I don't think. Um, as it, it's not that litigious up here in Canada as it is down in the States, but beware yeah. down in the States. Trust me, anything you do, um, it's scary. I, I've never, in all my gym experience, I've never had an accident actually occur acutely while I've been training someone. And that's, my, that's one of my main motivators. But... At the end of the day, uh, I started out as a personal trainer and I thought, okay, this is cool. I mean, we all do as humans, we do things for selfish reasons to make us feel good. Yeah. Even the late, even the late Mother Teresa was selfish. She said it herself because it made her feel good to help the down and out in India and so on. I'm no different. Uh, when someone reaches some kind of a milestone or a goal that I help them build, I feel, I feel great. I feel elated that day. Um, as opposed to listening to aches and pains and complaints that, that most people as clients will give a trainer. <laughs> uh, that being said, I was training individuals and that was working well, but on a smelly, fairly small note. So I decided to start teaching other trainers through CanFit Pro. That's Canada's largest fitness organization for certification. And I became a pro trainer for their PTS or personal trainer specialist course. And I've been doing that for almost 20 years, training thousand plus people. Um, and by definition, if I'm able to pass on any of my passions, which sometimes I have to hold back on because I'm following the company line, obviously, but I do tend to get some of my passion there. And so if I can train a thousand people and I've got a hundred clients and they might have a client, then I've got reach to a hundred thousand people. Mm -hmm. That's my mindset. And then I, uh, as I say, I've done the university level and the more athletic thing, which is fun. But uh, as I say, training, training the mom and pops, those are the people that need most of the help in the world. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think through many years of doing this, I found there was one weak link. You might have seen this yourself when you're training people for biking or whatever. When they're under your tutelage, your guidance, they're doing fine. But what are they like when they're on their own? Yeah. And, and what I found is that, I'll give you an example. So I was a trainer at the U.S. Embassy here in Ottawa for seven years. Oh, no. Um, oh, by the way, safest gym in the world. Yeah. <laughs> you, you drive into a sloped garage. This is in Ottawa. It's all barricaded. Yeah. But they, they let you in. The gates go down. And your car is x-rayed. You go down underneath. And you, the gym is three, three floors below ground level. And it's, oh. it's a nice gym. So you know, the ambassador's wife and executive staff and people and so on. So I trained them for a number of years, over seven years. But when you're there, you're only training for, you're only there for three years, you're on contract. And then you go back to some other location. That's how they cycle you through. And I found with some people, although they would reach a lot of goals, 
when they left my tutelage and went back to the States or wherever, I'd hear back from them, they'd have questions, and many of them fell off the health and fitness wagon that we worked so hard to get them on. Yeah. And I found that through generally speaking. So, you know, there was something missing. And that missing part was this thing, this bowling ball. And I said to you Your earlier, well, oh, yeah, our brains, our brains. I, I used to think, you know, without getting too into it, um, I used to think our minds basically controlled what we wanted the body to do. But and there's a lot to that, meaning using this distributed network of how the brain works. But for the most part, it's mostly the hard wiring that we set up through our nurturing as we come out of the womb and then go through life. And we set up a lot of biases and beliefs. I'll give you a very quick example. Have you ever tried to change someone's opinion of something that you didn't agree with? Yes. Okay. How did you do? Not well. <laughs> yeah. Now, the reason you're not going to do, in fact, the closer you are to the person, familiarity breeds contempt, but the closer you are to the person, the more difficult it will be. Oh, yeah. Now, the reality is the reason it's so hard, and unfortunately, we live in this soundbite world of Twitter and Facebook. It's crazy. Mm. Like, never get into a discussion with anybody on social media. You're wasting your time because there's a bit, there's a big time gap. You don't have face to face. You can't read the audience, et cetera, et cetera. You're wasting your time. So the reality is, is that because we have all these biases set up in place, you're never going to change someone's opinion like that within a soundbite. What it requires is context. So assuming the person is of sound mind and body and not part of 150 mental disorders that we have registered out there, <laughs> we'll take the information you deliver to them if it's palatable, meaning I deliver my course. I, I, I won't say dumb it down, but I, I put the context in that they can understand things. And once you start to see the information, then you can start to reason. You can say, oh, my goodness. So th there was a study with 40,000 people that came out and had this result and that counterintuitive to what I believe. Hmm, I better think about that. So you get people thinking about things differently. Hey, gravel riders, are you new to the sport and had a fantastic summer exploring and getting to know gravel rides? And now you put together a kick-ass 2023 gravel event schedule, but you're not quite sure where to start with regards to training, staying, and keeping fit over the winter? Well, if that's the case, this might be the program for you. It's my 20-week winter online road cycling skills program. It's geared towards people just like you who are looking for ways to properly train over the winter. Hi, my name is Sylvie Deu, a Level 3 cycling performance coach, bike club founder, and online cycling coach. I put together a killer 20-week online cycling skills program that runs from now till April and Here's what the schedule includes. Cycling skills, hills, climbing, pedal stroke efficiency, intervals, endurance base building, everything you need to maintain and build a solid fitness base for the spring. Workouts are scheduled and planned, which takes all the guesswork out of how and what to train. It's all you need to do is really show up and absorb all the material. Here's why it's such a great program. Our current clients are already enjoying amazing fitness gains in such a short amount of time, and this could be you. How it works, you sign up for a monthly subscription that is only $49 Canadian. What you get for this low rate of only $49 is the most comprehensive winter coaching program on the market.
you get access to online coaching from a level three performance coach, which is me, weekly uh, cycling skills sessions, which is on Thursday, which include pedal stroke, hill climbing, and this session is also recorded. On weekends, we are set up with an endurance base building group ride on Swift. Tuesday night interval sessions on Swift, where we focus on sprints and speed, and also putting together all of our skills and techniques that we learned. This program is goal driven. We have clients who are looking with simple goals of just keeping fit, getting faster, and a lot of us are looking to ride 100K by April. This program is great for all time zones. But don't wait another moment to get involved in this program and it's the best $49. Don't wait another moment to get involved in this program. It'll be the best $49 a month you've ever spent on training. And if you've ever been looking for a cycling coach, which I encourage you to go Google, $49 is a super affordable rate for what you're going to get. We have a supportive Facebook group with chat rooms for our training rides, access to an actual coach, plus you'll gain the knowledge you need to improve your cycling form, skills, and technique. Go to www.cyclingskillspro.com. That's cyclingskillspro.com for more information and to register today. Take advantage of all the benefits this program has to offer for an amazing deal of only $49 a month. Don't wait another week to get on track to training smarter, not harder this winter. And a bonus for you guys, use the code GRAVEL to get 20% off 20% off your first month. But, you know, as a quick example on the podcast here, if someone votes for a certain political party and their parents voted that way and their parents and their parents voted that mm-hmm. way, you know, you're not going to change their opinion short of their political party committing genocide. You know, they can be corrupt. They can be hypocritical. They can be thieves. It's politics, right? But the reality is, unless you can provide them with a, a, a logical pattern of abuse and, and counter references that they can, can, should consider and so on, they're not going to change their mind. So I found that um, in order to get people to understand exercise, meaning it is a problem, people don't do it enough and they don't do it consistently enough for a sustainable mm-hmm. aspect. Um, I think you might know this expression because I've seen you on a spin bike. I've seen you on a road bike, Sylvie. Have you ever heard the expression, no pain, no gain? Yeah. This is craziness. This it is. is for, this is for yeah. morons and Marines. I say, <laughs> I say Marines because I met a lot of Marines and these poor devils, male or female, they may be captured and tortured in warfare. That's how they train to deal with yeah. that challenge. But us mere mortals, pain is your body. It's a signal telling you there's something wrong or you're not ready or you're doing something yeah. incorrect technique wise, which is. Many yeah, I'm not a I'm not a fan of that anymore. It used to be because, you know, I think it was just the thing, you know, no pain, no gain. You got to keep going. Um, but there's different there's different levels of pain. Sure. You know, there's mental pain, there's physical pain and there's like real pain, like you're saying this it's time to stop. It's not getting better and you're going to do damage to your body. And I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't use it anymore. I think it's really. Well, there's, there's an old adage in the running world. I used to be a runner. I'm not anymore. I've come to my senses, but 
See, you're a cyclist, like all good runners do. Turn well, I also I also wear a heart rate monitor, Steph. I might have told you. I wear a monitor when I bike, say, you know, up Camp Fortune Hill or whatnot, the Gatineau's, because yeah. I still have a competitive. The, the problem here is this. This thing, this bowling ball, this 10-pound bowling ball forgets that from the neck down, things have changed. From a physical decline, it's just, it's human nature. So we have it from a physical tissue perspective. We also have it from a hormonal perspective. And mm -hmm. it's not good. Now, the challenge is to deal with those hurdles to come out on top as best you can and delay the decline. But mm -hmm. as I say, is it any wonder why men's over 40 hockey is the highest incidence of heart attacks for men? Why? Mm -hmm. Because when they were 20 years old, they played junior hockey. They were really good, really fit. Then they took all their habits that they had as teens to their aging body. They also became sedentary, sat in their office chairs a lot. They go out and the only exercise they do is once a week on the ice rink and it's pickup hockey. So they might be against a 20 year old on the other side on the right wing. The puck goes down to the end. The brain says, listen, you play junior hockey, smoke that 20 year old, go get the puck. <laughs> and of course stuff happens, but the no pain, no gain, what it should be is no strain, no gain. If you don't strain oh, the tissue, oh, I like that's that. now you're hearing that from me. That's my catchphrase. Well, I've got a few catchphrases. Uh, I'm going to be I'm gonna use it. trademarking the no strain, no gain, but it's dated here. So you, I've got it first. I'm on, <laughs> I'm on other references to say that it's in my course. But the reality is, if you don't strain the tissues yeah. in a safe, progressive way, there will be no reason for the brain to want to put resources to it to put a positive change in place. But the difference between strain and pain is, as you say, it's levels. And in the running world, to come back to that, there's an old adage to say, listen, if you're not feeling good, get through the first 10 minutes and you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. But what's really happening is your, you know. Your body's warming up? Well, it is to a degree, but really your body is releasing analgesics, opioids, okay? Uh, you might think of that you've heard the word endorphins. Yeah. So beta endorphins. It, they're not fixing the problem, they're masking it. So while you're running, and you know, if I put you at 120 pounds and you run, I hope you didn't mind me saying your weight on online there. Oh, you're so sweet. So if I say I you're wish. 120 pounds I, and you're, you don't want to see me at 120 pounds. <laughs> you can easily, you can easily generate in a in a, an appropriate run pace a thousand pounds of force on your joints. A thousand pounds. Yeah, and you imagine like heavier, which is why biking is so much better. Mm -hmm. a, a side story, you know, I I did triathlons, but I realized that a triathlon is a nice bike ride spoiled by a run and a swim. Hair here, I'm. A, <laughs> I tried one too, and I'm like, this is the most boring sport ever. No, I did. I did a lot of them. I did a lot. And, oh, you uh, did? I did yeah, too. And I'm they like, were fun, but I've got ichthyophobia, so I, I gave up on it. What? What's ichthyphobia? Ichthyphobia is the fear of fish. Oh, really? Yeah, laugh <laughs> as you may, but trust me, if you've ever had, I was swimming in Lake Ontario to triathlon, the Kingston Triathlon, and uh, uh, a seaweed fish attacked me, which is basically just seaweed that my mind thinks was a fish. <laughs> and I, I, I took a panic attack, a, a scary panic attack. The kayakers that came around, like the reason we wear bathing caps and triathlons is because so the kayakers can find you bobbing. But yeah, they immediately came <laughs> over to me. And I'm a decent swimmer, not the best, but I'm a mid-pack swimmer. 
when I learned how to swim in a pool and I learned really well. So I was fine. But swimming in Meech Lake <laughs> is a lot different than Lake Ontario. So yeah. the seaweed fish attacked me. There's a lot of weeds in Lake Ontario and I panicked. Hyperventilating. I was I, I lost my stroke. I was just no technique whatsoever when you panic, there's no control. They came over and they said, Do you want to tap out? Grab the boat. And I said, No. There were people there that came to see me finish. And so I, I breaststroked, breaststroked the entire yeah. way into shore. I was the last one out of the water. That's me. You know what, yeah, you know what's so cool about I was that? in Brock, was it in Brockville? It was Kingston. But oh. what's so cool about that? I I have never passed so many people on a bicycle in my life. So, but um, yeah, I had yeah, one person pass me. I think he was 80 years old. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you got it. I can't even keep up with you. Holy crap. <laughs> oh, it's, it's like an exalt technique. Oh but, my God, um, he was fast. <laughs> in any event, back to the, the main thought process here. Because of seeing so many people fall off the wagon, I wanted to see why. So for many years, I wanted to get a psychology degree and it's, it's tough. When the older you get, the harder it is. But finally, I succumbed and, uh, you know, funded out of my own pocket. So I was really intent to learn. I went back to Queens it'd be five years ago. And I, in spring 2020, I became their oldest graduate for that term in psychology. That was probably the best time to do it no? Because, like, you couldn't work. You could just yeah. do online courses. Yeah, I did a lot of online. But the reality is it's hard. It's really oh, hard. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. When I was doing engineering stuff back when I was in my 20s, um, you know, C's, D's get degrees. I went to play tennis first. <laughs> um, but here I was, I was on the dean's list, not boasting, but I was just so into it. And I was doing side stuff with profs to get inside information about what, how this applies to the fitness world. So the maturity forward. level makes a huge difference and the drive to do something you really want. That's that's oh, the difference. Sure. It doesn't matter what your age is, yeah. right? Like, and, you know, and they're at a party, you're there to, to uh, accomplish something. Yeah. And that concept applies to fitness. Like, um, in this course that I run, I'll talk about that coming up, but the biggest driver people have that many people lack is um, a sense of purpose. Now, there's two types oh. of information. There's, this, there's two types of information in the world. There's anecdotal, so my late mom's hairdresser said, if I stand on my head, I'll promote hair growth. It, does, it doesn't work. And then there's empirical. So this is science-based, you know, peer-reviewed, blind studies, control groups, and so on. The more groups, the better, meta-studies, et cetera, et cetera. It's not bulletproof. In fact, any good theory in science, the goodness about it is it can be challenged. If it can't be challenged, then it's not really a good theory. So our concepts and understandings of exercise have changed throughout the decades. But relatively speaking, we know we need to do it. Mm -hmm. I, I, will I will share with you this. In addition to being human, we all have something in common on the planet, every single person. And that is something that makes it difficult, if not impossible, to get healthy and fit and stay there sustainably throughout our lives. That thing that makes it difficult is the brain. You see, the brain, very ancestrally, historically, prehistorically, does not want to give up calories that come into the body. Our only purpose for eating right now, a lot of people might think, well, I enjoy a good meal or the taste of it. No, that's not the purpose as far as the brain. The brain sees it for energy. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's the only purpose of macronutrients. But way, way, way long ago, 
it was hard to come by. Food was hard to come by, famines and so on, et cetera. So let alone the fact you were very active searching out your food or making your food. But the reality is that's not the way it is now. Food is readily available. It's called incentive value and so on. But with that being said, the, we still have that wired into our complex. And so when calories come in, it doesn't want to give them up. Well, guess what exercise does? Exercise burns calories. Mm -hmm. And the trick is, I tell a lot of clients this, the trick is that humans don't plan to fail, meaning at their well-being and so on. They fail to plan. Mm, I've heard that before. You know, I... True. And, and the best laid plans, you know, you've got to have support plans to make sure those first plans work. I'll, a quick example. I, uh, I used my Instapot last night and I made a week's worth of steel cut oats, which I love. I put them in a bunch of bowls that I would put in the fridge later, wrap them. So I wrap them in cellophane, but always I let them sit out because I don't want my fridge turning on extra hard to cool down these six bowls of hot porridge. So I let them sit out. Well, guess what I did? I left them out. I left them out all night because I had, I've got dogs here and I was looking after the dogs and I just forgot about them. They were out on the counter. So I came up this morning and got, ah, oh, crap, salmonella. So, oh, don't you really? Yeah. So anyway, well, it can happen. I do that all the they time. Say, yeah. They say two hours, something like that, hot, cooling down in an ambient temperature could generate salmonella if it was present. You don't know. So at my age, I'm not going to take a chance. So there it goes. All that, ah, what a bummer. So I failed. My plans failed. Right? My preparation and exercise is no different. Most people do not have a plan. They work on the basis that the brain wants immediate gratification. Well, guess mm. what, everybody listening? By the way, is this is this audio, video, or just video? Uh, audio. Both. Both. It's both. Cool. All right. Well, listen up, everybody. The, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the reality is. Most people set the bar too high for themselves. You're mm -hmm. setting yourself up for failure. Why? Because you're on a physiological, even psychological, if you think of the mental challenges, stress, and so on, um, on a declining curve. And yet, as I say, I come back to the men's 40 hockey. We have this declining package from the way down, and yet we're still thinking we have the 20-year-old package trying to do the same things. And you're just setting yourself for, for failure or injury. Yeah. You know, the way I bike now is, I mentioned earlier, I have a heart rate monitor on, and I set my watch to beep when I hit a certain level. Not to lose weight. I don't. I do enough to deal with that. And I, I have a good balanced approach to eating, more or less. But the reality is, when that thing beeps, it's saying, shut the bike down, stupid. <laughs> you're not 20 years old anymore. You're climbing a hill. You're trying to maintain, I don't know, 15 clicks per hour or something against some 20-year-old up the hill. Shut it down. You're not ready today to do that. That's how I use a heart rate monitor. So it's it's to take control of my male ego. Um, oh, gee, I could talk for hours. Male egos. You know, most men are delusional when it comes to fitness. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> most men think <laughs> most men that are in the fitness business think they have six packs. Well, I, I will share with you. I have a five and three quarter pack. Five and three quarter. That simply means that I'm unwilling to be in a gym six days a week to work out, let alone be hangry. If 
from not eating a consistent amount of food that I, I enjoy eating. I love eating, which is one of the reasons I do exercise. And, and let me be clear. I do hate exercise, but that's because I under, understand it really well, physiologically mm -hmm. and the, the psychological stuff, more so than most, at least. I also understand that I know very little. In psychology, we call that the illusion of explanatory depth. Most humans think they know more than they really do. The more we learn, the more we realize we really know nothing on a grand scheme of things with all the literature. Yeah. All the oh, time. yeah. So, but, you know, you talk to any biker, ask for a tip or a hint about biking, improving my biking technique, and they'll start rambling like, you know, they're the gift of the biking world. <laughs> you know, they might know 30 second sound bites or little pieces they found off the internet. But um, it's a lot more complex than that. And the body is so complex, but it's also very cool. And if you challenge it appropriately and set yourself up for success by planning, you'll normally yield positive results. Yeah. But we're also, in addition to wanting instant gratification from a hardwiring perspective, we also are very impatient. Oh, oh yeah. So... Yes. You know, the reality yes, is we need. Yeah, like you're saying, we need you know, changes. In, we need things to happen right away. You're like, oh, my God, give yourself a year. <laughs> oh, wait, minimum, minimum. Uh -huh. well, here, think of it this way, Sylvie. Most people reach some decline over a period of time. Mm -hmm. Let's say they're 30 years of age and they gain 10 pounds since they were 20. Medical science has said that if you are healthy and feeling good, movement-wise at the age of 18 for males, uh, for females, 21 for males, that's actually the ideal weight you want to maintain throughout your life to minimize cardiovascular risk. Very few people are able to do that on a sustainable basis. As I say, the, the six-pack ab thing, that's, I applaud people that want to put that effort in, but a lot of people would argue it's actually not healthy. You're down to near minimal levels of essential yeah. body fat. And you're, you're putting your brain through such a rough ride that it doesn't like. The brain, by the way, does not like a decline of probably any more than 10% of what you're normally used to eating. Yeah. If you do drop below that, you will literally get your brain to kick back in some very negative ways mm -hmm. that will haunt you and ultimately, among other things, cause yo-yo dieting. Yeah, that's um, like when I am... Um because I've done many figure competitions and in, in bikini, like since 2004, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, probably 15 plus. Mm -hmm. And, and I always say, you know, like, there's a time when, like you set a goal for a competition. And that's when you're all in the eating the fitness, it is not something you can maintain past that. It's, I did one summer, I did like four competitions all the way up to nationals and I had to because I did I made it at regionals then I made it at provincials and there was no way that I was going to do that all year round again to go to nationals the next year so I had to maintain my body my figure fitness for like six months it was even longer like probably January to like August it was extremely hard and I was so thankful when it was over, but it is a phase. And, yeah. you know, I look at that, I'm like, you know what? I would love to have those sick pack abs that I had when I, when I was training four or five days a week and, uh, and uh, on that diet. But I'm like, oh, realistically, Sylvie, 
there's no way that you're going to go back there unless you decide to make something of that nature a goal like a competition otherwise you're not going to do it sure and yeah well here let me share this with your listening viewing audience um yeah (laughs) just because you don't see a set of six-pack abs which basically means within our waist we have two compartments super adipose tissue and then deep adipose tissue Mm -hmm. when the two tissue boundaries merge together you would be considered a six-pack set of abs um which representatively is about 12 15 percent for a female and certainly sub 12 percent for a male depending on your height but here's the deal it takes very little i can take most people and give them rock hard abs in a very short period of time you won't see them because their body fat is too high but as i say if you can see me here for a moment here i'm going to take a hard punch okay now i used to teach martial arts and kick i still do individually but that being said, I'm not at, uh, I'm at about 18, 19% on a good day, body fat. So I'm not a six packer, but I don't need to be because the abs that I develop might, in fact, the 360 degree core strength I have helps me deal with the challenges that I've set forth in my life, including a herniated disc when I was 20. So I'm a back club member and I have to be cognizant of that. <laughs> that being said, to have the size, and I can put on weight, I can put on weight like anybody. When my my two parents passed away, I put on weight. I was well over 200 pounds. Uh, It can happen. Okay. I'm not not an ectomorph. Okay. I'm more of a meso endomorph person, um, which is body types, everybody out there. Yeah. So that being said, I can put on weight, but I also realized that if I let that get out of control, Mm -hmm. I'm going to pay the price. And I also, I do exercise for, for basically dealing with stress and it's brutal out there right now. The, the yeah. stresses on individuals, the world is a tough place to be. And if you let it overcome you, genetic wise or just systemic wise or socioeconomic reasons, it's not a good place to be. And it's really hard to get out of. Um, yeah. If I, I'll back up for a second, because this is fairly important. When I was in my early 20s, you know, playing varsity tennis or whatnot, I had uh, a male ego that was as good as anybody's. And I know when I'd be working late as a waiter and a bartender to put myself through school, I'd go out afterwards over to the Quebec border with the bars were open later, and I'd hang out with the group. If we saw somebody that was obese, I'm mm. coming clean here now because I, no. I with them, I would make snide remarks and tease them, Yeah, which, was, which is so disgusting. Now, when I see someone, when I see someone now that is on the declining side of physical movement, and health and wellness and functionality because of weight gain and so on, I say to myself, oh my God, what can I tell this person? What one thing can I tell them that'll give them some insight to get them to research it further? Because I'm not going to change their their lifestyle by just talking to them on the street or in a bus seat or in an airplane seat or something. So I I normally give them one soundbite that, hmm, that sounds interesting. Let me research that and see if that'll take hold. But it's, it's not good. You know, you're going to gain weight over time and it Mm -hmm. only gets harder and harder. Um, It's tough. That's probably one of my main motivators because, uh, you know, I've I've in a lot of clients, right? Mm -hmm. You hear the stories all the time, you know, had kids, parents passed away, you know, whatever it is that caused you to, you know, let go of, of yourself 
yeah. uh, to say it and not put yourself first and and start eating and not exercising and making it i mean like this fly you've got fly. good camera video i can see that fly i know just a second you see that <laughs> let's see how your reflexes are it, you know, just, you're in canada where are the flies coming from i know you know what i don't know we're trying to figure that out like it's it's like november like i don't know where they came from but they're around and it's i stopped like, riding my bike i don't want to put snow tires on them um <laughs> but, let me so, ask you a question sylvie let me ask you a question yeah you have family yeah you have friends you're very well known who's the most don't give me any names okay this is being broadcast who's the most important person in your life me bingo bingo if i ask 100 people that and you're included only 99 are gonna say only one is gonna say that 99 are gonna say oh it's my wife it's my daughter it's my son no it's you because of them yeah. And, it, and what happens you. when you cannot function exactly. for them? Exactly. That's the, that's what I like a lot of people don't, don't get. And it's, and I see people deteriorate just to keep their kids going. It's that as yeah. a parent is so unresponsible mm -hmm. on their part. And it's sad because real, 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 real quick story. When I was teaching tennis uh, part time at the Out Athletic Club, there was a member there, uh, Arthur King, I think was the name. I can't he was 90, 93 years of age. And I would go out and I would help him occasionally. He'd be out there practicing serving at that age. Like he wasn't that competitive, but for his age, he was, you know, he was walking, right? Moving around. And yeah. I asked him one day, I said, Arthur, what, what drives you? And he told me, he was very passionate. He said, it's my son. His son had uh, had some brutal disease, like muscular dystrophy or something, and Arthur had to look after him. So he had oh. to stay active, to, to just like you said, and that's the reality of life. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got a yeah. moniker. I've got a moniker, and online people are interested in Instagram and so on. I'm called the cynical trainer. <laughs> I'm not very good at social media, but uh, my but when you get on there, watch out. Yeah, well, no, my reasons for I'm not cynical of everything, but you know, in fact, if you don't question things in life, things right. will run amok. So you've got to have some sense. You have to be honest also to people. True. Like, True. you know, they're like, so what do you think? Well, you really want to know what I think. <laughs> <laughs> or do you want me to give you the fluffy version of what you want exactly. me to say? Exactly. So, you know, my cynicism <laughs> you is you feel mostly, good. <laughs> well, my cynicism is mostly related to how people inherently feel the government's going to be there for them in their latter years when they start to decline oh <laughs> the government can't look after itself how are they going to look after you um and then pharmaceuticals with their magic panacea their pills and so on you know if i get bit by a snake i want an anecdote so yes give me the anecdote from the pharmaceutical but otherwise you know if you issue someone a pill to deal with excess weight gain sure it'll deal with that but it won't make you healthy Every body tissue has to be physically challenged mm -hmm. or it will start to atrophy, deteriorate and so on and leach, et cetera. So you still have to do that. Um, it, it's, it's just very hard for people to get that way, even though if I asked 100 people, if you love doing exercise, especially in the fitness, fitness industry, most of them because of peer pressure will say, of course I do. Yes, I do. I love doing exercise. No, you don't. You don't understand it properly which is why you're saying that so coming back to what i referenced earlier that um 
if you're given context that makes sense, it'll allow you to reevaluate things. And when you understand a problem better, you can deal with the problem better. What's the problem? Well, over a billion people worldwide are dealing with obesity. Um, yeah. Not because they want to, because there's not a person on the planet, no matter how much they smile and use defensive mechanisms to cope with the challenges that their bodies are now dealing with. It's super hard. Excess weight yeah. is brutal on people. It, it yeah. can literally one in five people can become depressed from have obesity issues. Yeah. But when people cope with that, one of them is to say, I'm happy. I'm happy being overweight. At the end of the day, there's not a person on the planet of sound mind and body that wants to give up any functional movement that's been given to them. So I'm, I'm talking simplistically that if you're used to getting out of a chair, you know, in a sagittal plane, straight up without any arm assistance, without any inertia movement, isn't it a shame to have to lose that to where now, because you've gained a lot of weight, you have to push to one compensated side or push on the armrest to push yourself out of the chair or, or grab the handle to get out of your car? No one wants to lose that ability. Right. So we as humans fall into disrepair, not because we want to. We don't know any differently. We're, we're ignorant of what we can do. And part of the problem is there's so much information out there on the Internet, et cetera. It becomes overwhelming to people as to what they should do. My answer is really simple. Start simple. Mm. Start really simple. No matter whatever it is you're used to doing for anyone looking to deal with weight. And it, it doesn't matter if there's genetics or your thyroid is affected. At the end of the day, if you do an appropriate amount of nutritional intake and exercise, you will come out on the positive on the scale. It's just incredibly hard to do it because you need to plan it and so on. You need the resource yeah. information. But if you're used to doing something, let's say you're used to walking a city block in 25 minutes. Okay, that's a kilometer out here. City block is a kilometer. That's a very slow walk. But if you can comfortably do that, without breaking a sweat per se and hurting yourself because pain is not a good thing. What you need to do is do that for two weeks straight on a regular basis. Then the third week, knock off an entire five seconds off that 25 minutes, which sounds irrelevant. Well, that's no big deal, Mike. I can do that easily. Of course you can, that's the whole point. You wanna progressively challenge the body, meaning the brain and its components underneath to adapt to the challenges you're giving it. That way, the brain will not kick back in a negative way by changing your metabolism. Many people who have very tight, restrictive, caloric cut diets physically damage their metabolism permanently for the rest of their lives. This is science. Yeah. And, and then well, I don't want to get off, off on a tangent, but like, <laughs> so I work in the service industry in the restaurants. Sure. So you know, you've got all those that are glutinous, they don't eat that. And I mean, you know, some people I'm just like, what can you eat? Like, what are you okay, allowing so, yourself to eat? Or is it truly yeah. an allergy? Or you've just decided that, you know, I'm not eating these foods because of or I'm like, a type of veg vegan. I'm, I'm like, Oh, no, my God, you, like, if you have celiac disease, that's one thing. Yes, the body of doesn't possess the ability to break down gluten. So you have to deal with that. If yeah. you're doing it with as a trend, then all the power to you. But, you know, that being said, I tell people this, my clients this, listen, life's too short. You've heard it before. And everything in moderation, if it fits within a proper plan. Yeah. I like French fries. I eat them occasionally, but not that often. So and you enjoy them, right? Well, because life you is didn't too short. Sure. Or like, 
need them. I just wanted them. Yeah. Um, so let's go into your program. Cause I know we've been like talking about it and you've been talking, uh, mentioning it, but let's like really get into the program that you put together and things that um, say a listener here would expect during the program. Cause we have been chatting about certain things that you have been talking about. Um, and then of course, after you're going to say, you know, let us, everybody know when the next one is available. But let's get into like why I hate exercise. You've heard Mike saying that throughout our conversation, but you know, just dive into that program and how you kind of um, what what the curriculum like. Okay. That. Well, the sub the subtitle is of why I hate exercise is quote unquote the psychology health and fitness professionals need to know. The course actually is appropriate to anybody. But from right. a niche marketing perspective, I define it for the health and fitness world because that's the one I know the best. And so I run courses corporately for some of the large gyms and I also run public versions. Okay. So you have, you do it for coaches and personal anybody, trainers and, and then if, for if the you have public? A brain, if you have a brain and you're <laughs> dealing with life, you're going to learn a lot. This and is, I'm, I'm going to save okay. you from going back to school for all those years and the fitness background. I'm going to, and I package it in a way that makes sense. And the way it's actually packaged First of all, it's an accredited course, so you get four CECs if that you're looking for. Um, that's for what what um, accreditation? Well, it's through CanFit Pro. Oh, say okay, so CanFit Pro. Now, the way okay. the way accreditations work is that if you don't see it on your organization's website page, ask them if they will accept accreditations from foreign bodies, right. well. and many okay. times they will. Many times. So, is this for like say any American credit? Yeah, you, you could, yeah. So yeah, I've had people okay. from all over the place. Very take, cool. You know, it's to each their own if they can get them applied. But at the end of the day, the course is really about this. It improves your empathy. Mm. Now, by that I mean you're a very caring person. But sometimes. <laughs> but don't give me your ex excuses. No, no, no. Okay, if you were talking to Mother Teresa, you would have the epitome the epitome of empathy towards being physical or being a human, the challenge of being a human. And there, there would probably, I'm guessing, I never met the woman, but I wish I could have. But the reality is, is that I bet she never had an off moment of any sarcasm or you know, I don't really mean that kind of thing or whatever. Her empathy was like ultimate. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, when I, again, when I was 20 years of age, I might, if someone confronted me face to face, I might present a certain empathy image but what, what is what I was truly feeling? No, it wasn't. I'm being upfront. Now, yeah. when I see an overweight person, I say to myself, oh, my God, the challenges this person has in front of them, they have no idea. Some mm -hmm. of them may, but most of them don't about the decline of how the body is changed when we bring in too much excess weight. So it really does that by presenting things from a hurdle perspective. So I literally throw a picture of a hurdle up and then I define what this hurdle is. So one hurdle, for example, is genetics. In the course, I think there's 10 different hurdles that are dealt with. Big proportion on stress, but there's a fair amount on genetics. Because a lot of people will say, well, listen, this is a hand I was dealt, and this is, the why, this is why I am what I am. True. The hand you were dealt with is what it is. But it doesn't have to completely take hold of you 
if the nutrient aspect, meaning your environment, is more positive and reflective of a healthier lifestyle. Right. So, as an example, my it doesn't have both, to define you. No, both my you know like, I was you're a too tall, you're too short. Yeah, exactly. Like, so I, I was uh, the child of two late parents who were both at that time they would have been called social alcoholics. Um, it used to be called alcoholism, but right now in psychology it's called alcohol users disorder. Alcohol is a toxin. I could talk for hours on this topic, by the way, but so I'm not going to. Uh, I, I, I used to, it's been 36 years since I've had any alcohol, zero complete absence. I won't get into that discussion. But the reality is both my parents passed on their 23 chromosomes to me. That genealogy is in me. If I was drinking, consuming alcohol, I could very easily become, quote unquote, from older days references, an alcoholic, at least a social alcoholic and hopefully a functional one as they were. It's, it's scary. There's only 11 criteria, I believe, in alcohol users disorder. You only need two to be considered a, a mild alcohol users disorder to actually have a disorder. Trust me, most people that drink these days probably have those two criteria. It's scary. Is that regular it's, consumption? Yeah, pretty, pretty regular, like uh, it, depending on the constant the content and so on, but one to two drinks on a day, on a daily basis, which is- What about nothing. a week? which is nothing for most people. You think of the social, think of the, think what COVID has done. The, oh, yeah. the challenges stress-wise that is put on our, our social well-being is just incredible. It's scary. God, it's almost made me OCD. <laughs> you know, uh, you've been over to the gym. I can't remember if I put my mask on or not. Did no. I? Yeah. You've so, hugged me, don't you remember? No, no I, I did not. <laughs> but I've got a client coming over, well, you know, at some point for a fitness assessment. And, uh, you know, if that were the case, I'd have a mask on. So, but you know, hopefully that'll all come to bear at one point and we'll all come out on top with a feeling buoyant about it again and robust immune systems. But in the interim, robust immune systems, yeah, that's I, I something we've been hurting for. Yeah, well, sure. And I exercise, I do exercise. I hate it because I understand it, but I've got a lot of mechanisms and tools in place to help me get through what my brain hates to do. Right. And, and the course breaks it down. So as an example, we'll go through genetics and explain what it really means, how it might affect you. But then it shows the comparative aspects of things like protective factors that you could put forth in your life from a, a monozygotic twin comparison. Twin studies are the best ways to compare things in psychology. And it shows in many cases that those that take one path and those the others can end up with very different lifestyles and very different physicalities, overweightness, mm -hmm. and so on, or addiction. Um, so, but again, part of the original concept I said was developing better empathy, understanding this. And as you start to understand the problems better, as I build them up, you start to realize, oh my God, it really is tough being human, let alone being healthy and fit. I had no idea about this. And at the end of the course, through workshops and so on, you start to develop these tools and skill sets to help your clientele better, but inherently, unbeknownst to you, you're helping yourself too, because you're no different than anybody else, right? Oh, yeah. You know, people that look driven out there, then they're laser focused and rock hard six pack abs, they can be just as unhappy as anybody else. And sometimes more so. You know, but their facade is not allowing it to be shown and so on. I'm more forthright. I'm telling you, I hate exercise. I'm telling you, I don't like cutting calories. 
I'm telling you, I need the exercise because I'm trying to deal with the stresses of being human and so on, let alone I love eating. I, and by the way, I exercise because I love biking. Yeah. Exercise's definition is exertion without getting into descriptively here. But if there's no exertion, it's not exercise. Well, when I'm on my bike, I might be exerting myself. I might not. If I'm buzzing down the hill, I'm not really exercising. I'm just coasting in my aero position, hanging on for dear life. Hands on. By the way, hands on the brake now. My hands are always on the brakes. I don't go over 50 anymore. I used to be 80, 80 plus going down steep hills and the Gatineau's or whatnot. No more. It's craziness. I get my buzz. I get my enjoyment by still doing 50 or on the flats doing 40 or whatnot. But when I'm exerting myself, I'm only able to do that at my tender age because I did the exercise beforehand to build up the ability. And then to know what to do when I get off the bike. That's also important to avoid things like delayed onset muscle soreness and so on. So um, at the end of the day, it's about planning. You got to find the information. Um, so as I said, the course builds on various hurdles to help you better understand, not only giving you the tools to deal with things better, but also helping inherently, you don't realize it, it helps build up empathy for other people, which is a good thing and becomes through more sincerely, which means from a trainer perspective or a clinician, a physiotherapist or whatnot, or even a doctor, you inherently will develop better relationships with your clientele, your patients, because you're, you're having a, a more solid sense of empathy, mm -hmm. which inherently comes through in the relationship. But um, yeah, so people can go to wemeanfitness.com. It sounds like we mean business. It's wemeanfitness.com. And from there, they can see the course references and following the channels of communication. They can find a public course. The next one is December 7th and 8th. Um, okay. It doesn't, doesn't matter where you are in the world. Are you, um, so how long is the course? So it's two days. Yeah, it's four hours per day. Okay. They typically run from 4 p.m. till 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There's a very short break just for, to grab a snack. But I send you all the preparatory information, how to set up your video and audio connections and so on. It's run over Zoom. Um, I put people into workshop breakout rooms and things like that. But uh, it, it's very interactive. I will, I will challenge you. Not, there's no exam to worry about. You just have to show up to get your CECs. But, you know, at, at this level of knowledge, people are uh, they're paying for this because they want to learn something that they don't know that's going to improve their their business relationship, their work ethic aspects, and certainly in many people, their own individual mindsets mm -hmm. to help them deal with the challenges. But um, I'm not trying to prove anything. It's a, it's a given. Obesity is out of control. Dealing with things as we age is difficult. And knowledge is powerful. But there's so yeah. much out there, not necessarily from me, but find it from a source that's got you know some science backing behind it, um, it that's palatable, that you can understand. And take it in chunks where you can implement it for yourself or your clients and you'll come out ahead. So that's it. Well, oh, like and, by it. The, and by the way, if your clients mention your name, I'll give them a little discount. But they have to email me to get that discount. So don't go and register because you won't have a code. But if they email me, so mkelly, M-K-E-L-L-Y at wemeanfitness.com. Before they register, I'll give them a code. They can put it in the coupon thing and, and get a bit of a discount as a thank you for watching right. the podcast. So did you guys hear that? If you email Mike at 
mkelly at wemeanfitness.com. And you mentioned that you heard him on the podcast. He'll give you a discount code as a special thanks. So I hope all of our listeners, like um, a lot, we have majority of the listeners are in the US over Canada, surprising. And, um, you know, maybe this is something that you'd find interesting for your own personal um, well-being, I'd say, uh, because it, it is a mindset. I mean, like you, Mike, um, there's days when I don't want to do anything, but I know that I have to because of, uh, you know, I'm in my fifties now and, it, and I see the changes and I know exactly what would happen if I stopped doing what I'm doing. And I don't want to deal with that along with everything else. Right. If I can have one thing in my corner, it's my fitness and my nutrition. And, um, that makes everything else easier to deal with quite frankly. I'll leave you with a positive thought and your listeners. Because I consider myself young, by definition, you have to be young because you're a lot younger. I am. (laughs) It's the reality. I know. I feel young and I, and it's funny, people don't give me 50, which I'm going to keep it that way, but it's not without work on a daily basis. Yeah. And, um, so and lifestyle yeah you don't have to be hardcore like you don't have to be outrageously fit and doing uh, exercises seven days a week that's really not what you should be doing that's even worse um i I promise to give some people that attend the course some epiphanies that'll turn some light i bet oh my god i had no idea of that and they're powerful those types of things are powerful for people so I look right. forward to uh, teaching everybody and everybody on the planet one day and uh, time will tell. Well, everybody take the opportunity to jump into this one before Christmas hits and the holidays and get yourself set up for the new year with some great information from Mike, because this can only help you move yourself forward in, in a positive nature. So with that, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in i hope you got some good nuggets and you're going to go and check out mike's um course like he said there's one coming up when is it december 7th and 8th 7th and 8th and of course you'll have ones in the new year but that's probably the one that you should check out if any just to get you set up So with that, thanks a lot, Mike. I appreciate you. And thanks everybody for tuning in. Pleasure. I'll see you on the road one day. Yes, we should go riding for sure. Well, I don't know if I can keep up. Oh, you know, don't worry about it. Well, maybe if you're not, if you aren't, (laughs) I am doing some training. I've got some goals next year. So I'm on my bike. Okay, so see ya. Thanks a lot. Bye everyone. Take care. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. 
And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review, if you feel so moved, by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment, telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.